This piece was brought to you by Roberta's, robertaspizza.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 in the Good Beer Seal. Today is Thursday, February 13th, 2018. We've got some special guests with us tonight. Our good friend B.R. Arroyo from Shelton Brothers. How are you, B.R.? I'm good. Glad to be back. It is always great to have you on. You do such a great job of bringing in some of your special brewers. You guys, you've got so many. Uh, I think in a month you're going to have on uh, Tool guys, right? Yep. From Scandinavia. Yeah, Jens from uh, Tool. Yeah, Denmark. and tonight you brought us uh, the E9 guys from Tacoma, Tacoma Washington. Washington, a place I don't know where it is, nor have I been there. But luckily, <laughs> on the way over today, I know we ran into Alex, the manager at Spite and Dive in Williamsburg. Hey, Alex. Hey, how's it going? So it turns out you guys, these guys are on their way to do a tasting at your place. Yeah, we're going to have uh, a mostly full tap takeover and uh, with some bottles to share. Nice. That's great. So we appreciate that you guys took the time to stop here on the way over. Um, so introduce yourselves, the E9 guys from Donovan. Tacoma. Uh, I'm Brewer and Head of Sales, and this is John. Hi, I'm John Zitko. <laughs> he's Owen. He doesn't want <laughs> to say anything. Yeah. <laughs> so he brought Donovan to talk, and John's just going to pretend he's not talking. He support. wants to eat pizza. He really yeah. wants to eat pizza. And then, uh, so Alex, you know, we're on our way to Spite and Dival. It's one of my favorite. When I talk about beer bars, good Brazil bars in New York, that's the place that I want to go. It's, st- it's still the place that I like. I love your selection. Um, what are you doing with these guys tonight? And then just tell me about the process. So you got some kegs, you know, the planning for this type of event. So for the uninitiated, like, I don't know if you guys have ever been there before, but we're a um, pretty grand old school granddaddy beer bar. We've been in the neighborhood. We're actually coming up on um, 15 years, which nice. is pretty, pretty long in this neck of the woods. Um, and uh, it's a pretty modest little system, unlike you guys were over at the well today. That's pretty it's sprawling, massive. sprawling yeah. in terms of beer. But um, ours is smaller, uh, a little more intimate. Um, we only have six lines and a cask engine. Um, and then we have a sizable wall of bottles. Bottle selection. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so it's nice. So we can do tap takeovers pretty, pretty easily um, with uh, sort of minimal fuss. So, uh, yeah. So... BR approached us as she does frequently because we like what she does and she has got good taste. So. <laughs> you've, you've, brought, you've got some really cool events at Spite and Dival, haven't you, BR? Well, yeah. it's also convenient, especially if we're doing, if we have people who come through on a Tuesday from beer sessions, it's an easy jaunt to yeah. right on over. But no, I mean, Spite and Dival has been a supporter of uh, all of the Shelton Brother brands for, I mean, f- since they opened. I mean, Joe has. Particularly, you know, starting with the Belgian beers, you know, he was a huge De La Seine fan ever since, you know, Yvonne and and Bernard started brewing. Um, De Ronca, uh, Mars is always on their list. So, you know, they're not just going for some of the the bigger names. I mean, they've just really go deep into our portfolio and have always, always been there to support us. And it's a very comfortable bar. We enjoy it. So... Great. Why so, not? So John and Donovan, tell us a little bit about So John, give us your backstory. So you guys, there's an old firehouse in Tacoma, Washington. Yeah, we have a restaurant company that's been around for about 13 years. We opened our first restaurant in uh, a place called the Sixth Avenue District in Tacoma that's close to University of Puget Sound. And uh, and over the years, we've just kind of bought up the some of the surrounding restaurants and and we bought uh, Engine House 9, uh, which is an old firehouse and brewery, about six years ago. And so it, how long had it been around as a restaurant before you guys? Uh, it actually opened up in the early mid-70s. John um, wasn't going to talk, but we got him to talk. <laughs> got now him he's to talk. off the hook. <laughs> Welcome uh, to yeah, New York, John. Give me the mic. Give me yeah, the, mic. The, the restaurant itself opened up <laughs> in the uh, early, early to mid-70s. Um, and then uh, in 95, the, the brewery, they created the brewery to help feed the, the pub. Um, and at that time, they were doing you know what was pretty standard for craft brewing in '95, which is you know, like a brown ale, an IPA, uh, a pale ale, just pretty standard pub pub fare type beers. 
um, when John and uh, X Group bought the the restaurant, um, Shane, who had been uh, been working there for probably four or five years already at that point as an assistant, got bumped up and took over the program pretty much, and uh, pretty much just they kind of let him gave him gave him free will to to uh, move towards more of a Belgian style beer program. Um, we started acquiring some barrels. Uh, now we've got a, a facility, the a barrel house per se, that's uh, about three quarters of a mile away from the brewery itself with uh, about 225 barrels in it right now. Um, we're uh, kind of in the process right now of, of getting some permitting done and um, have a have a building that's perfect for a, a fairly sizable expansion, not so much in the brew system, but just more space to, to add oak and, and some fooders and and things like that so wow so you know it's fighting to have a later we're gonna we're gonna get to taste through all your beers but looks like we're getting a preview yeah. so um what's the first beer we have so i this, like it alex and i are kind of nodding at each other that this is so pretty good. this is a duvik mond it's uh translates to old world um it's one of shane's uh, first first and really kind of true love of his, of his barrel aged uh, saisons it actually has a little bit of fresh saison blended into it uh prior to bottling um bottle version obviously is a bottle conditioned all of our bottles are uh are conditioned cork and cage um it's just a really kind of like nod to the old world saisons and it's i think it's just a, one of our favorite you know yeah, one a, of his it's and a favorite it's got yeah that little little whack of like kind of tart funk yeah on it yeah it's got a yeah, um really our good. house brett uh we you know repitch in the barrel with it um We've worked a lot with Al Buck from uh, East Coast Yeast. He, Shane's known him for, you know, a, a long time back when people couldn't really even get his yeast cultures. Uh, he uh, he's he's since become more of a commercial entity. At the time, he was just doing it in his basement. So uh, yeah, he's helped us out uh, immensely actually with with uh, all the different Brett strains and stuff that we were able to get from him. And Alex, before you're saying that you knew of E9 from collaborations they'd done. Oh yeah, because you guys yeah. do stuff with like. Uh, Degard and uh, Trois Dames specifically yeah, is one yeah, of our uh, um, Holy Shane, Mountains actually you guys yeah. know the Holy Mountain guys really we well we know the right? Holy Mountain guys really well actually um, Shane's known Colin for, for years back like I mean he he bounced around from a couple different breweries before they they got, they got their business plan together and opened up but uh, they've been home brewing for years and uh, Trevor Degard Shane has known him for, for several years uh, it's been really interesting both the, to see both those breweries uh, just blow up. I mean, it's it's really kind of crazy, actually, like how fast and and popular that those both those breweries are now. It's, yeah. it's really crazy. The guard is like <clears throat> they're like some people consider them to be some of the best wild ales in the country right now. Yeah, actually. he's and they just re they just opened a new space. Um, they were if anybody had been out there before, they were out kind of outside of town in this little industrial park. And uh, Trevor was able to acquire this building right down in Tillamook. Um, Tillamook is uh, on the Oregon coast. It's best known for Tillamook cheese. Um, mm -hmm. Tillamook blue. Tillamook blue. And they, uh, and you they, have that they get, dialed. No. They, they, get, <laughs> they, they get some funk. They man. got good Somehow cheese. They, yeah, they get, no, the, the, the funk that they've captured is, the is pretty amazing. So, microbes. Um, so, yeah, Shane's done several collaborations with them in the past. Uh, we, this year we've done, uh, I guess at the end of last year, Shane went down and did a, a, a barrel blend out of Trevor's Barrels, and he was up here about a month and a half ago. Um, we've, so we've got some bottles that are conditioning right now with that blend. Um, we do, a, with Holy Mountain, we've done several collaborations and events together. Uh, we do a, an IPA every year called Five of Swords um, that's just, like, gone as soon as it's made. It's pretty, well, let's it's pop pretty one amazing. more beer, too. And yeah. BR, so a lot of your uh, the breweries that you have do a lot of collaborations within your your group, right? Like uh, Trois Dames and yeah, you know, De La um, San and I mean a lot of it. I mean, there's just a lot of collaborations going on, regardless. But um, you know, especially I think a lot of these things happen to come from our festival that we have, where everyone is together and a lot of people are uh, like, oh hey, you know, I I love your beer, let's do something. Um, but I mean, you know, brewers tend to be a fairly friendly bunch and when they travel they're they're wanting to go and visit these other breweries um you know jordan from trois dames has come over here um several times um it's and it's just it's really also especially when we deal with our european brewers or our you know our, our non-us brewers who then are collaborating with the american breweries you know it, it helps the american breweries get a little foothold in europe people hear their name and vice versa uh people say like oh wow you know i love 
E9 or I love, you know, Holy Mountain or something like that. And then they find out that they've collaborated with one of our European brewers and then they start to search that out. So it's, it's really a win-win for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Twadam, uh, Raphael, the owner, um, creator of that amazing brewery was in town, was actually in Portland for, uh, CBC, I think it was about two and a half years ago. And a mutual friend of ours, uh, Matt Storm, from he owns uh, two pizza joints in, in Seattle, Masonry, had told him, like, oh, man, if you're coming back up to Seattle from Tacoma or from Portland, you got to stop in Tacoma and try these guys' beer. And I was actually down at the festival or at the conference, and, and so he stopped in, and Shane just happened to be brewing on a, on a Sunday, and they just hit it off. And he just was like, oh, man, your beers are amazing. And then at that, like right after that point, he had basically hired Jordan to come out and brew. Jordan uh, started at, at Jester King. He was like one of the founding uh, brewers slash workers at Jester King. And then he then went to Portland and, and helped basically start uh, Wolves and People, even though I don't think they had actually opened up by the time that he moved oh, to right. Switzerland. No, I don't think they had. And so uh, Shane and I went out to, uh, to Europe last. We got a chance to go out to Belgium. <laughs> and uh, we actually went and brewed with Sebastian, too, from Freitgeist. And we just like, well, one of our things we want to do is rent a car and drive out to Phantom because like that's one of our <laughs> yeah. favorite, favorite breweries of See all Danny. time. Yep. So we, we just rented this car and we're like, well, we'll just take two days to get to Switzerland. And uh, and it was just an amazing. Guys, trip. if you listen, just just, just write down all the all beers around. he's mentioning. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> okay, it was, Phantom, uh, Twadams in a in a Alpine village, basically uh, Saint Croix, that's right over the border uh, from France and in, in Switzerland. Just a beautiful idyllic place. It's it, it was it was an amazing time. The weather was great, and um, Jordan's just like a really super nice guy. Raphael was was around as well. Super nice. Um, sure. Let's pop the next one, sure. Donovan. And then, John, I'm going to take a step back. So, you know, you guys, you took over this old restaurant brewery. You know, what made you guys commit to to making, like, this brewery has a lot of buzz. You know, the the guys you collaborate with, Alex was saying that all the people from that part of Washington know E9, excited about it. I mean, how did you make that choice instead of just being a restaurant? Well... You know, the brewery is the first craft brewery in the city of Tacoma, so it uh, it was something that uh, had been, the brewers were, in the past, weren't really allowed to do what they wanted to do, what they were passionate about, and we were coming into it not knowing really anything about the brewery business, but knowing enough about business and people to uh, realize that people do their best work when they're doing something that they're passionate about, so... Um, you know, we very quickly got to know Shane and uh, and put our trust in him and let him run with it. Uh, we made a few small decisions in terms of scaling back the number of uh, beers that we were brewing on a regular schedule, and uh, and it just kind of blossomed from there. You're like a football coach. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that more and more where people come in. Everyone thinks you have to go in and change everything, change people, but really, you guys came into the existing situation and and you let it happen. Yeah, we were fortunate to have Shane there that uh, was passionate and hardworking and uh, really wanted to do something different. And, uh, uh, you know, we could see that uh, the market was flooded with IPAs and all the rest of the beers up there. And that being a small beer, uh, brewery, we had to have a niche. And this is this is it. So, And what, did you have to make a lot of changes? I mean, did you have to buy new equipment or anything else? Yeah, we, we, we went in, uh, I think... When we first went in, Shane had said that, uh, you know, we're like, well, okay, what do you need? And he's like, well, the water filtration system hasn't been working for a couple of years. We're like, okay, that sounds pretty important. We'll take care of that. And we just we just started to slowly investing money in it. If Shane said we needed it, we we bought it for him. Um, I'd known some people through a friend that ran the wine business, and I'm like, hey, we can get you some great wine uh, wine barrels from. Staglin, Andrew Will in Washington, and uh, so we just started buying barrels, and they started filling them, and here we are. That's great. Now, we're going to take a short break, guys. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Oh, man. 
My name is Brandon Boy, co-owner of Roberta's, a super duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. Thank you, Brandon Hoy. Hey, we love being here at Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick. Uh, come listen in on March 13th, Tuesday at 5 p.m. We're going to have a special episode with Brandon Hoy and the city council member from this district, Rafael Espinal. will be talking about Bushwick nightlife, and we'll be drinking all Bushwick drinks in the house on Beer Sessions Radio. So we got E9 from Tacoma, Washington. And uh, Donovan, uh, you poured another great beer for us. What is it? So this is a uh, Nectarberry Saison. Uh, so it's a... Uh uh, nectar berries are a, a hybrid, a boysenberry that's that's grown locally. We have a, a really great uh, relationship with a farmer down there. John actually went to high school with them uh, called Strino Farms. They're in the Puyallup Valley. Um, he's just he just grows amazing fruit. Um, we we only use whole fruit on all of our beers. Uh, so he does all kinds of berries, all kinds of hybrids. Uh, he's also really well known for his for his rhubarb. He does a hothouse rhubarb that's sought after by chefs all over the country. Um, he's kind of considered the rhubarb king. Um, we do a rhubarb. We do a rhubarb wild ale that's that's pretty. Why are you guys uh, laughing? Pretty amazing. <laughs> we didn't know rhubarb there was a rhubarb. King. Yeah, I mean, who did? Who did? Uh, but yeah, the the rhubarb beer we do is pretty amazing. It's super earthy and and not what what most people would would associate with a rhubarb, you know, which is normally uh, paired with a strawberry or something to kind of to sweeten it. But uh, this this beer itself has a um, a farmhouse, uh, you know, a saison um, barrel aged uh, uh, base beer, and uh, we always we tend to. Uh, we tend to blend to the fruit that we know that's going to go on this beer. So, if this year the nectar berries are, are really sweet, then we'll you know we'll we'll seek out either a slightly tart, more tart saison, or if we're going to use a wild, you know, we might decide to, maybe we should use a wild ale on this. That's going to be a little bit more sour. Um, the bread strains that we use, you know, there's there's always going to be a little bit of tartness that comes out in that. Um, but yeah, nectar berry is one of these beers that. TTB has had a really, really hard time with. They they act like they like it's a made-up name, like they've never heard of it, even though a commercial farmer grows it. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's, it's just a really uh, beautiful fruit and um, yeah, definitely boysenberry. So on that so. note, Rhubarb King, I'm going to ask you about agriculture. So you guys won an award. Like some like Washington State gives out a, an award for best agricultural beer? Yeah, so the last two years running, we've uh, we've actually won the Mid-Sized Brewery of the Year in, in, uh, in Washington. Sounds and, like a car company. And both of them. Uh, this That's next, not funny. This, ne- <laughs> this next beer that we're going to have uh, illustrates the next. The both years we also won agri- best agricultural use um, in in a beer. And the first year it was with a cherry that was grown from uh, another farmer that we have a really good relationship with uh, over in Chelan, which is on the east side of the of the Cascades, a little bit further north. Um, he does great stone fruit and apples, and uh, and he's got some great connections to uh, some blueberries that that we get from him as well. Uh, so yeah, I mean it, it. And this this next beer that we'll open up after probably. So you guys, you're break. not like Seattle. You guys are actually in like agricultural region. Uh, well, we're. I mean, it's it's all kind of blending together now at this point because uh, cities are running into cities. But uh, we're about 40 minutes south of Seattle, right on I-5. Uh, but yeah, the Puyallup Valley, which is. Um, Basically, the glacier zone that came out came down from Mount Rainier is just super fer- uh, fertile valley. They grow a ton of uh, berries and daffodils, and uh, it's it's just a really great uh, great area for for growing. And John, you grew up there in that area, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've I've lived there all my life, and actually, I think the Puyallup Valley used to be a uh, a big hop growing region, also. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. yeah. So. And then let's ask some questions. So Bob W., another Shelton Brother rep, you're here too. Bet you have a question for these guys. Yeah, if you guys were to do a collaboration, like a very hoppy beer with the rhubarb and an Australian brewery, would you consider calling it a kangaroo barb? <laughs> <laughs> no. Bob. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. <laughs> See, that's the mistake by inviting uh, me to. Yes. That's good. Jimmy, That's good. That you, you asked for it, buddy. You brought it on, Rob. It's good. Bob, but, yeah, Bob's I, been amazing. Are you out there selling these guys? Are you, are you yeah. the rep for them? Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun working with these guys. And, you know, Shelton Brothers, we have so many new breweries popping up. And, and I, I never tasted their beer until yesterday. And um, it's a little bit of a challenge when you're trying to sell a beer you've never 
heard of before, never tasted, and then you jump in and you taste it and you you pray to God that it's going to be good. And wow, was it good? Uh, the first beer I had from them was the Duel, right? Yep. Yeah, it's a it's a cherry cherry and raspberry cherry raspberry wild ale, and blew me away. Yeah, we'll be opening that one next. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be right. coming up next. Yeah, their stuff is is top notch, and you know I, I have a lot of faith and trust in everyone who works in Shelton yeah. uh, that they pick the right people and they pick the right brewers and the right beers, and it's uh, I can do this job blindfolded because uh, everyone knows what they're what they're doing, and, and you have the same jokes forever, and we have the same <laughs> jokes for everything. Just change, but um, so you, you're also taking them what to, to Boston? Tell us the whole no, itinerary. No, no, these guys, so. these guys are on their own. I mean, uh, I'm I'm a local. You don't boy. get to go with them, <laughs> <laughs> no, unfortunately. Wow. I, I get to stay here in, in wonderful Bushwick. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. David's Bob, Bob's been great. He's yeah. been uh, he's like uh, part. Uh, part beer ambassador, part historian. Like we've been walk- <laughs> we've been walking around for the last two days with him, yeah. following behind him because oh he walks God. at a very brisk so pace. <laughs> he, yeah, Bob, Bob, Bob walks faster than anyone else I've ever walked <laughs> and, with, and I'm not I'm not exaggerating. This is half pace for me because and he, he almost he's, killed Colin from Holy Mountain. Yeah, he's he's apparently slowed it down a little bit because Colin was was complaining so much about the last time when they were out here a year and a half ago. So no, it's great. It's great fun uh, being able to take people from outside of New York, around the city, and, and give them a little history, uh, show them around, uh, give them the local flavor as much as I can possibly do it. And and great people, right? We've we've oh, yeah, we've yeah. met so, so many, many nice people amazing here. Amazing bars and bottle shops that are like... Such good people. Tell, what are some of the favorite... So before this, the show, you went to The Well, we which is out here well in Bushwick. Love those uh, guys. Um, Air, uh, Arrogant Swine. Air, Arrogant Swine was, yep. was Tyson. amazing. Yep. Like, filled Ate up, some filled delicious us up food. With some, some <laughs> amazing, delicious food. Um, we also hit like the John. You like arrogant swine. I, I like any swine. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys are going. We're also going to go to Boston, D.C. Any highlights? For yeah. You? So uh, we we originally were just going to ship a little bit of beer out. Um, Christian from Shelton reached out to us because he knew that uh, Christian from Wolves and People was coming out. We maybe we could try to, you know, like put beer on a pallet together and send it out and. For some, re- for some reason, that didn't really quite work out. And I was like, well, we actually have a little bit of beer that we could send out, like a couple pallets. And then I was like, well, if we're sending this beer out, maybe we can try to set up some events and maybe we can send you a little bit more beer. And they're like, yeah, let's do it. And um, a, a good old friend that's actually now the the Upper East Coast or Upper New England rep, uh, Carl, is in based in Boston. He was living for a while out in Seattle, so we actually know him, which is great. Um, came out here. We, I, I go back. Uh, I go to Boston tomorrow. We're doing two events up there. Where are uh, those going to be? Uh, row thirty four and Deep Ellum. Deep Ellum. Deep Ellum. And then uh, have you been there, Alex? I'm from the Boston area. Oh yeah, oh, nice. Yeah. yeah, and then we're flying. I'm flying down with Carl to DC, and we we have an event on Saturday at the Sovereign. So that should be pretty amazing as well. So. Yeah, we try to. If we get people coming over, especially to the East Coast, it's great to be able to loop them into, you know, whether it's Philly or Boston, D.C., New York, just to try to get a little bit more uh, out of their visits. And it's great, you know, it, people. It's one thing for myself or or for Bob to go into an account and we you know we do events and say like, yeah, here's a tap takeover. You know, people say, let's do an event with whatever brewery. But it means so much more when someone from the brewery is actually there and they can put a face uh, to the beer to, and, you know, hear the backstory. You know, we can tell it to them, but then you know, there's a little anecdotes that come out of it. And it, it really means a lot when, you, when you're selling beer on this level. I mean, you know, we have a super limited amount of this that came into New York City. Um, I want to say maybe, I don't know, 20 cases maximum for New York City of, of their beer. And some of that went to events. Um it really means a lot for people to say, like, you know, I'm flooded every day with brewery reps and distributor reps, and here's the person that's actually taking the time to come from the West Coast, come to see my place and talk about their beers and sample me on the beers. And, you know, it's 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 a labor of love. It's hand-selling at the lowest level for us just to get the, the people out there. Yeah. Shelton's been great for us. Uh, we reached out to him, sent, a, sent a, a box of beer out to him probably about a year and a half ago, and... Uh, and they're like, well, you know, you guys are kind of small. You know, we're not, we, you're you're a little too small to uh, pour that in there. A little too small to uh, you know ship to all of our markets or whatever. But we can totally help you out. Like, you know, we're about to open up our own distribution in Portland, and uh, here's who we use in California. And uh, I ended up connecting uh, as well with uh, 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 Copper and Theory up in BC, which actually, you know. Uh, distributes all in of, British uh, Columbia. Up in British Columbia, yeah. Um, Adam is That's a great, far from great guy. 
we were trying to get into a farmhouse fest up there, and as as most times when you're trying to get into a festival, you have to have a distributor that'll that'll uh, bring your product into market. And um, Adam uh, Adam had been to Holy Mountain several times, and everyone was like, "Yeah, he's a great guy," you know. So we got beer up there as well, and he brings in a, a pretty much all of the Shelton book as well. Um, and so you know, we were just doing that basically. We just were pretty proud of ourselves. We made it all the way up and down the West Coast, uh, and so this is. Just, basically kind of the next step you know i think that um, oh, welcome glad you guys are here yeah let's talk about making the beer so this is sours so, we would you know people are more comfortable with sours as a category i do feel that like we should talk more about you know what type of sours yeah. you know you guys at shelton have like dry fontaine and oud goose when i have that whatever whichever one it is i'm like that's my sour i mean how are you making these sours is it a kettle so, sour or what's this, what's the this is definitely not a not kettle a sour, kettle sour. <laughs> <laughs> uh, although we just we had a couple of really amazing kettle sours at kcbc uh uh we we have a um what we call wild tacoma which is our uh a mixed culture that was captured by a, a home brewer friend of ours in tacoma about four or five years ago and he gave some of it to shane and shane was able to prop it up to a point where we were able to to inoculate a bunch of different barrels with it and it's a um, it's a PDO, a lacto, a wild sack, and a wild Brett strain, um, and essentially it's super slow. But uh, so this this beer here is the dual, and this pits. This is our, our kind of our joke of pitting our, our two main farmers together um, or against each other. You know, it has uh, Bing cherries from uh, Rattlesnake Farms up in uh, Chelan and um, red raspberries from Strino Farms down in Puyallup Valley. So when, when I said kettle sour, I was setting you up. But Alex, right away, you said definitely not oh, kettle sour. <laughs> yeah, you do, can tell. Do, so do yeah, you guys sorry. think that kettle sour is a, is not as serious sour as, as something like wild well, ale? No, I think if it's done right, it, it's all right. It's okay. But I think that the prevailing thought in a lot of, especially startup breweries, is that, oh, I can I can produce this sour in like, a, you know, not even a third of the time in super it's fast time and then sell it for the same price basically right. as a as a, a sour that's taken like so th- this beer example for example has is a blend of two year 18 month and one year barrels yep. so obviously one of you know, one of those barrels was sitting around for two years you know it's not right. it, it's not a, a two-week thing that can happen you know um and we use whole fruit and it's i think it, it really kind of comes through and it, it it shows that so uh, how can you label those american beers like uh, to me a lambic style something that i want to drink you know, this is Wild Ale. There's a couple years on it. You can't call it Lambic, though. No, yeah, you but can't so call is it, it Lambic. What's the style for Americans? It's, uh, I mean, it's, it's Ameri- American, American Wild, Wild Ale, Ale, basically. Um, I know that Jester King and Black Project and a few other people have, have really tried to embrace the Belgians and said, like, oh, we can do it like uh, tradition, uh, method traditional method or something yeah. like that. And I, I mean, it, you know. That's fine, you know. I don't think that the Belgians were too happy about it when they when they first proposed it. The um, Belgians said no. Some some yeah. of them some of them weren't. I mean, <laughs> I, I know weren't. the yeah. Jean from Cantillon was like, "That's sure." I mean, you have method champenoise. You know, it's it's not champagne, but it's done yeah. in the style of champagne. So would you say method lambic? Uh, well, that was kind of originally what they tried to yeah. <laughs> tried to call it, and and that was shut down. And I think they came to some kind of agreement that it was going to be you know method traditional or. Or whatever, it's going to have some kind of symbol on their label. But uh, it's a little you know, frustrating, just, though. I guess I sorry to interrupt. A little yeah, frustrating sorry. though, because I feel like it wouldn't have been an issue like ten years ago. You know what I mean? Like the fact that now all we have this—I mean, the, the number of brewers we have in the United States is exponential now yeah. compared to, and just and the interest in things like sours and Belgian ales and wild ales and mixed fermentation and all this cool stuff. You know, they've been doing it over there for a long time. And but not a fraction as many as they are here in the United States. Yeah. So now that people have really embraced it over here, they're suddenly saying, "No, this is our. This is how we do it. This is our thing. You, you know, you guys are just. This is just a copy of what we've been doing for centuries. And you know, you want to call it something like what we call it, but no. Yeah. But how, you know, how, how can you do it? <laughs> they were being nice about it too. That whole argument. That yeah, whole thing. Consumers with the, to say King, that was really very um, was very well and. Um, um, it was handled um, very elegantly, and um, you know they gave them a lot of respect, a lot yeah. of respect to the to the Horus people. Um, but you know, it yeah. was up to them. They, what do you think, Beer? I mean, I feel like we court. have to go beyond just calling things sours, and oh, I was hoping to have that conversation today. I yeah. mean, it's, it's it's tough, but I mean, yeah, for the consumer, um, I'm, 
and there's also so many degrees of sour. You know, there's the kettle sours. There are the breweries that, yeah, they just want to have a sour in their portfolio, and it's that's all it is. It's 100% sour. There's nothing else to it. Um, well, and I think it can be kind of confusing at times as well. You know, I think that a lot of people just assume that if it has bread in exactly, it, that it's going to be sour, which say. is not the case yeah, at all. Yeah, you know, so. you get something with a nice bread seed that's fermented yeah. out, and it's fruity. It's it's farmy and barnyardy, but fruity and slightly tart, but it's not a sour. So yeah. it's... Um, I mean, you, I, I encounter this, you know, through uh, for, through beer judging for homebrew, where yeah, everything is they've really gotten it down to a style, and people say, yeah, well, you know, my beer is just something I like to drink. I don't want to pigeonhole it in a style. But as a consumer, you know, I want to look at a bottle and say, oh, you can't just tell me it's some crazy made up name you made because I have no idea what that means. Yeah. At least have just some guidelines of if it's if you say it's an IPA, I have an expectation of what it's going to be. If you say it's a Goza, I kind of know what it's going to be within a certain parameter. So. It should be, yeah, it would be nice to get some sort of standardization. I don't see well, that happening. There, there's times as well, like we don't enter a whole lot of competitions, but there's times as well where we'll enter and we'll sometimes enter the beer into a into a category that it, I mean, it, it is clearly a Brett beer, but we'll enter it into something else that, that you know, because we feel that the judges themselves are, are not going to base that. It's, 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 a, re, it's yeah, a really kind of cloudy thing, you know, I, it's a... Uh, not as cloudy as hazy IPAs, but awesome. Hey, we're almost done. We got another session. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Thanks. Like what you hear? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. With fresh programming every week, we've got something for everyone. Trying to start your own food business? Concerned about where your food comes from? Looking for the best wine or beer to bring to a party? Find our shows on iTunes or Stitcher, or head to heritageradionetwork.org to listen live and subscribe to our newsletter. Hey, and welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Check us out, heritageradionetwork.org. If you're listening now, it means you're listening live. But for the rest of you, you can tune in on Stitcher, uh, also at Heritage Radio Network. And uh, now we're on Spotify, too. So um, usually the, the next day, everything's posted. So, But Spotify is kind of exciting. And uh, you, we're episode 421. You probably got 50 episodes with BR from Shelton Brothers and all her crew. And I remember a few years ago, you brought on the guy from Trois Dames. Yeah, and we're, we're going to taste his beer now. It's funny, Donovan, because he said that at the time, the beers he was making for the home market were like IPAs. Yeah. And he, that only the real market for these sours was export. Well, I mean, IPAs for, for Switzerland was completely new. I mean, we see this with a lot of our European brewers where some of these more, you know, the, the style, especially particularly IPAs, have become extremely popular in Europe. Um, and that's something that's, you know, they're used to a, a lighter Pilsner, a lager. Uh, so that was unique to them. A, a stout, a, blonde ales are always going to be popular uh, in the European countries. That's you know pretty much every brewery like we would have in the U.S. Everyone does a pale ale, IPA, stout. There they're doing their their, tra- their traditional blonde ales. Um, but yeah, we we love the beers that Raphael has done. You know he's been working with fruits from local local orchards and local vineyards. You know his, he's got his saisons that are fermented uh, in part by the yeasts that are on the grapes. Um, Really doing. I mean, it's it's pretty unique for for a Swiss brewery. Uh, for most, I mean, you know, you got you've got a uh, Franche-Montagne also, also um, but uh, Switzerland doesn't have a really big yeah. tradition of doing sour ales. Yeah, they. I think uh, originally when uh, Raphael got uh, Jordan to come out, the I think the goal was to actually have uh, in Zurich or something have like a barrel house that was going to be like a, a separate entity, and for some reason or another, it didn't actually happen and. Uh, but he was like, well, I've got this like kind of cool barn that's like right on the backside of the, um, there's kind of a barn-esque building that's on the backside of the brewery. And it's like, we just call that the chalet, and you can do all your crazy wild beers in it. <clears throat> and this beer is amazing. This is this is the Savion. Uh, this is probably the first batch, or I'm assuming, or maybe it's, did it just come in? No, no, it's not the first second. No. No. Okay. I think it might yeah. be the second. We, and let's, we, talk, we let's talk through in. the nose the first. You want to do yeah. it, Alex? Yeah, we, brought, we brought it through a couple of, uh, maybe last year. 
there's a really interesting sulfuric note, which reminds me of Hansen's Goose, yeah, which is super rare, yeah. super rare in in, and uh, in any beer. Diesely petrol, which yeah. right. you get in a lot of those yeah. traditional Belgian lambics. And and by the way, speaking of sulfur, if the, the way off topic, but um, not that off topic. It, if you ever go to Oxbow Brewery, the brewery, not the blending room, up in uh, New. Newcastle. Newcastle, brought an Maine. Oxbow beer too. You brought an Oxbow beer. So if you ever do go to the actual Palace. brewery, uh, ask ask to try the tap water, the water from the well, because it has an incredibly interesting sulfuric note that doesn't trans it doesn't transfer to the actual brewed beer. But when you drink the the well water, you get sulfur. Out and of they, it. and like they don't filter spring. it. We were asking so Bob, about what, that. What what is that? How, wh- it's natural how? sulfur that's in the in but the. Uh, what does it smell or taste like? With the sulfur, it's like uh, slightly like rotten eggs, or, but not, yeah. in this case, not terribly rotten eggs. I think, I think this would be considered that kind of barnyard funk, the yeah. horse blanket. Or no, no, not horse common. blanket. No. <laughs> She's a horse rider. That's my mission. Of, I've, I've never Get away ever, from horse blanket. I've go, never go, smelt a horse blanket yeah. that go, smells go like sweat. beer and vice go versa. Go, go, go sweat. sweat. Yeah, that's, that's another that's one where one. we live in a time where none of us grew up in agricultural counties except for Tacoma, Washington. <laughs> How do the rest of us describe <laughs> these barnyard smells? That's well, one I think for yeah, barnyard later. covers it in, in some senses. Yeah. I mean, an yeah. animal, there's sort of an animal muskiness. Must, musty, yeah. 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 It's got a certain fecal quality. <laughs> some do. Isn't that an alchemist beer? <laughs> that was the thing I like about this beer, though, is that it's got Bob, this your jokes intense, are better than mine. Like, ap- like, not fresh apricots, yeah, but like... Apricot, mm, peach, kind of... Peach, but like, um, almost like a dried... Fruit. Like, you know, most dried apricots are... They usually use sulfur to help dry it out. I mean, that's part of the preserving agent. So if you ever eat, like, dried fruit out of a bag, like, it's got that. Yeah. It's like the totally spot-on weird thing. Yeah, it's cool. amazing. It's such a cool Cheers beer. Cheers to that. Cheers. And then again, you said it's a lambic... Esque beer. So again, this is from Switzerland. They can't call it a lambic. You know what? What should they call it? Is this a method traditional? Well, sauvagion means wild one. Essentially, a wild. What means female? Beer is female, so a wild one. Um, you know, as a, as a nod to a beer sauvage, which would be a wild ale, wild beer. They're also uh, Trois Dames is located in the Jura Mountains, so you can call it a Jurassic beer. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's that? funny, but John. Where's that rim shot? Jurassic. We're doing. Now we're all Doesn't, doesn't Jerome call some of his beers Jurassic beers from BFM? What's that? Oh, I you don't know. know. You know, yeah. you know, you guys know BFM. I, yeah, I haven't met him. They've got some amazing uh, label art. They're like their little, uh, like their little uh, uh, warnings that they that they put on their labels are. So, yeah, Donovan. So, so who incredible. else? Like uh, your beers are, are great, promising. Really like them. Are there other breweries that you want to meet, that you want to work with, guys you look up to? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, the, our trip to, uh, to Europe last year was, was although it was, go, it was meant to go brew with Sebastian from Freitgeist in Germany and to, and to eventually brew with Jordan down in Switzerland, uh, we just really wanted to go check out all of our favorite Belgian breweries, you know. So, obviously, Cantillon, uh, uh, Dre Fontaine, and, and, uh, and, and we actually were able to get into uh, Tilquin when... Uh, he's only open for a couple hours on a Saturday. The kind of amazing thing, though, is that at every one of these places you go in, and the tasting room is full of Americans and and or English uh, beer geeks, and it, and it's just kind of like a crazy thing. We walked into into Tilquin and and this, there's like five people sitting at this at this table, and they all kind of turn to us and they're like are you beer geek or are you a brewer, you know? And like, I guess that's just one of the two things you could be if you're, if you make it out there or something. And I was well, like, for the longest time, these yeah. places didn't have yeah. a lot of, well, I mean, Tilcan is, is, is newer, but, um, yeah. you know, the, the local people would come by maybe, I mean, Kention was yeah. a taste. I don't even know really if there was many people in the tasting room. I'm not sure even how long he's had that. Yeah. Um, I'm sure people could come by, people could come by and buy it. Locals could come by and buy the beer. Uh, but it, in Europe, in general, for the older breweries, tasting rooms really aren't a thing. Like you just don't go and there's okay, there's gonna be a tasting room open from four to eight, and we'll go yeah. by. Uh, it's very rare to them. It's just it's like a, a bakery or a butcher shop. You go in, you might buy to take it uh, take it home, but not to go and actually sit and see the process. It's just another producer well, yeah. of something you eat or drink. When we were out at Tolkien, it was basically these five people that had taken a, a number of trains and buses to get out because you know, it's about. 15 miles out of out of Brussels, out in the um, out in the 
the boonies, basically, I guess you say. And then uh, there was people just kept coming up and like buying like eight cases of beer, you know, and like <laughs> I don't know if they're from restaurants or if they're just like buying it for their own production or for their own consumption. But it was definitely like this is the window that you have if you want to just come buy the beer and take it to your restaurant. And uh, but yeah, and then Phantom was just a whole nother level. I mean, that the, the, the brewery itself is just crazy. And uh, we actually it was closed. The tap room was closed because of. He had an exploding water heater or something. There was some sign that we couldn't read, and we were all super, super bummed, you know, because we'd driven all the way out to, to go see it. And we noticed that the door was ajar on the side of the brewery, and it just kind of, like, poked our head in. And, and thankfully, Danny was there, and he, like, brought us in and, you know, and, like, opened up his, uh, his tap room and tasted us on some beers and uh, talked to us, which is great. I mean, I've heard such crazy stories about that guy. <laughs> so it was just like one of the most, like, John, do you usually get things. to travel or, or does Donovan and Shane do all that? No, Donovan and Shane do all that. Yeah. I, and I, that, even then it was, it was very difficult for us to take 10 days off. Cause at that point, literally it was just the two of us in the brewery. So, um, we worked our asses off to, to get ahead as far as we could. And we came right back to a mess basically and, and picked right up where we left off. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, like Brasserie de la Seine is is one of the uh, one of those amazing beers. I mean, Shelton Brothers' book is just so deep with with amazing amazing breweries, and like getting to go and and participate in the festival last year in Atlanta was was like a huge a huge uh, thing for us. You know, like it's it just to be around those people, and and, and as well as a, a ton of other breweries that were around from uh, from the U.S. Uh, the Blackberry Farm guys were like super nice. I know they're not they're a twelve percent maybe I think or they're yeah, twelve percent. Um, but those guys were just like, oh, my God, this beer's amazing. And they just, he like, Maddie, their their main sales director, just like brought every single one of those guys over and was like, drink this beer now, you know. And like <laughs> Roy, the owner, was just like hanging out basically behind our table, just like pounding our beers, which is hilarious. So, yeah. Um, Let's take a step back. So, Alex, we're going to go over to Spite and Dial soon. Yeah. Just tell us like some of the actual like bar manager things you had to do the last couple of days to get ready for this event. Uh, well, um, like I was telling you before, we, we had a, a big, we do a couple of annual events at Spiten. Um, I've, I've been there for uh, 10 years, so um, I've watched these things unfold. So I kind of uh, had an idea when I took over as a GM. So I was trying to, I was trying to push the envelope, make them a little bigger, make them different fun stuff. So we had this, uh, we had this big uh, event on this past Saturday called Big Woody. Um, which is always hilariously um, the Saturday after the Super Bowl yeah. because uh, it was always the day <laughs> that Joe, the owner, um, you know, he lost a lot of his his drinkers over the weekend yeah, for yeah, the football could, season. So he always had it the weekend after so that all those guys regain would some of regain them. Well, come back. We're going to have a big festival. And it was all about uh, big, strong, chewy, barrel-aged beasts, you know. So, uh, so you know. 50, 60 bottles of <laughs> uh, big <laughs> high octane curation. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, and then just got had to move yeah. stuff around and but you got to put, you put, t- t- you put the kegs on tap. Like just talk us through. Oh yeah. I what mean, you did today. Well, I like to know about your job. <laughs> you, 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 un- you untap the keg <laughs> and then you retap <laughs> the new keg. You, you had a bar at one you point. So you lines. understand how this works. Yeah. I want to hear you say it. Well, that's, well, that's, you know, how many lines did you have? Do you put up posters? We, we do put up posters. We don't have any posters for this one, unfortunately, because we weren't Ooh. asked to provide posters. Oh, because, because we didn't ask to provide them. <laughs> well, I just wanted to, to, to make mention. Thanks. Jimmy, you mentioned earlier, and I didn't realize it, uh, 15 years? 15 years. It'll be uh, 15 years in. I think September. Wow. So, Spite and Dive, 15-year anniversary. I heard that's like the, the Roy Moore anniversary. <laughs> Too Bob, soon. you're good. Too soon, Bob. Best line of the night was the, uh, the Rhubarb King. I think Rhubarb King was the King Rhubarb Bob over here. All right, so back to Donovan <laughs> and uh, John. You guys came all the way from Tacoma, Washington. Last thing. Yeah. So, E9, it was an old firehouse. What, what are old, some of the, a, the, the historical, historical details... If I'm out there in that part of Washington, that would make me want to come in and check out your well, space. I mean, the the space itself is, is is pretty pretty magical in a way. If you when you walk in the restaurant, there's a kind of a wall that separates the bar from the restaurant, and um, it's it's separated by these posts. And essentially, those were the stalls that the horses were in. And uh, one of my first, like probably the first week I was there, the the, the 
small little offices upstairs. I was going up these stairs and I'm like, why are these stairs so like crazy? This is, this is nuts. Like it seems like they're all completely mis like sized. And, and someone's like, well, so the horses couldn't get up. Like if a horse got loose, they wouldn't physically be able to get up these stairs because they didn't want to have to deal with getting a horse back down the stairs. <laughs> oh, if it, which was, is if it was even stairs, the horse <laughs> yeah. would go. You know, I guess it, it, it like cor- first world it, problem. It kind of corkscrews <laughs> around, you know, and it's just like this thing. I'm like, all right, well, that's it, that's a pretty amazing fact to know. And then, uh, but yeah, it's it's just a really cool looking building. Um, it's got this giant horse chestnut tree out uh, in the beer garden. Um, that's been there forever, as far as I know. I mean, yeah. as long as the long they as actually, the. Uh, the, the original owners uh, did a fund, uh, fundraiser for um, burn victims, and they sold uh, certificates for uh, the funding of this tree. Yeah. So, so there's, a, there's, there's also from the get-go a, a beer club. Um, you drank like, through all the taps that, that were available at the time, and you drank a certain number of bottles, then you got your name on this little plaque. And so in the bar itself, there's, just, there's plaques everywhere from over the, over the years. And there's some there's people that have done it like 19, 20 times. It's insane. Like if you really think about it, that's like something like ten thousand dollars or fifteen thousand dollars <laughs> in beer. Yeah, and actually, my my business partner Jeff Paradise, who's uh, you know operates the restaurant, he his name is up on the wall, but he did it with a fake ID when he was in college. So. <laughs> yeah. So. But one other thing that's really cool about the the building is. Uh, the the bar is actually where the stables were for the horses, and we still have a chimney in the bar that was where the the coal stove would burn. And when they'd get a uh, call for a fire, they get the coal out of the kettle and put it in the yeah. steam engine. Get the steam engine going, push the steam engine out, yeah. get the horses all geared up, get them hooked up, and then take off to the fire. Yeah, amazing, amazing. Love that man. I love the local yeah. color. It's a, so it's Coma, a, it's Washington. A so agriculture, kinda. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's it's a port city as well too. So I mean there's a there's a pretty healthy uh, tide flats down there with uh, all kinds of shipping going and coming and going out of it. Um, it's right. Yeah, it's just it's it's a really cool spot. You know, obviously Seattle is, has blown up, and uh, Amazon is pretty much pushing people south. And so we're getting a lot, like the real estate market's changing drastically, uh, not so much for the better, but but the town's, I think, looking better and, and doing better financially, which is cool. Um, yeah. Great. Kind of a- we're going to wrap up. Let's do the last question. Anybody have a question they want to ask of the group? I was going to ask you about, generally speaking, about how you guys are de- doing with like the fact that you're working in a, in a ostensibly a brew pub, right? Yeah. I mean, so... So we were talking about like you're in the '90s, you know that was, it was sort of you know you're staple stapler's like a red ale, yeah. right? Remember the red ale? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's the rowdy Dick Amber now. It's the, <laughs> yeah, it's the rowdy and Dick were the the last two horses that were basically there. So, <laughs> awesome. so the Amber that was given to Shane when I began brewing, Shane was like, "Here you go." I'm going to give you this amber because I'm so sick of brewing it. You can do whatever you want with it. And I was like, all right. And then they were kind of making, like, we. I actually went down to a brewing conference, all of us and Holy Mountain guys in, the, in this van driving down to Bend, Oregon. And, and they were just flipping me so much shit about brewing ambers. And I just embraced it. I'm like, oh, yeah, my amber is <laughs> going to be the best damn amber there is in the Northwest. It's going to be based on, basically, on full-sale amber, which is what I drank when I was in college, oh, yeah. you know, way back in the day. People about still the ask for ambers, yeah. Oh, yeah, actually, man. Amber, it's one of the top-selling beers, yeah. you know. You meddled on that beer. Uh, I did not meddle on that beer. <laughs> oh, you should Yeah, you I, should I meddled on the dawn of time, which okay. was the uh, heavy, what's, what's heavy metal. Me? On what that does beer. that mean? What's that? What does metal mean? Uh, the Washington Beer Awards. So. Uh, oh, medal, as yeah, in winning a medal. Congratulations, yeah. man. Yeah, no, the the amber, unfortunately, um, at the time, obviously, we do cork and cage, uh, and we sugar, but at the time, we tried for this competition, we tried just like pretty much old school. Uh, a homebrew style of just filling like with carbonated beer and putting a cap on it as fast as we could and and the amber got infected we got the we got the tasting notes back and it was just like yeah no that thing did not taste like like band-aids when i sent it out <laughs> damn it my last question um for you guys um washington state in general yeah. you know it's, it's a good craft beer state oh yeah any special anecdotes make it different uh, than new york or boston well, i mean i i, I think the craft beer scene is kind of the same all over the country it's obviously still just growing leaps and bounds but uh uh it's it's 
it's definitely cool being around a lot of a lot of really cool breweries and we're only really like two and a half hours from portland which is you know as you know portland and hood river to combined or like another couple hundred breweries which is insane um so yeah i mean I, I i've always felt like brewers are a little bit more um cohesive together you know when you go to a, a brewing conference like that you know it's like people there's about 10 percent of them that are kind of assholes you know and you and everybody kind of knows it you know but the other 90 percent of people are really just like tight and really like willing to share information and do stuff like that so in that sense i think like like the brewing scene is, is really kind of a a good cohesive uh scene together so that's great well, we're going to wrap it up i want to thank you guys for coming out uh go around the room everybody say your name one more time br rolio with shelton brothers importers um alex ellie i met the uh, gm at spite and dival in williamsburg bob James Bob, the rhubarb <laughs> king of New York. Uh, Donovan Stewart, uh, brewer and head of sales at E9. Uh, John Zicko, E9 Tacoma. We got him on the air. This guy wasn't even going to come on the air with us. Love <laughs> you. I'm Jimmy Carboni, and I uh, want to give a big shout-out to New York City Beer Week coming up. Uh, support the opening bash, which you can get at the Beer Week uh, website. We are moving our new annual New York City Brewer's Choice event to July, um, and we're supporting the opening bash also check out our brisket king nyc event uh tickets are going on sale and there'll be more information big shout out to our producer justin kennedy engineer david tattashore and uh, we'll catch you next time on beer sessions radio all right cheers Cheers. people for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.